Well, this morning we're continuing our series on essentials. It's a four-week series. So far we've talked about our need to pray. Pray is our way to talk to God. We've also talked about the reading of God's Word. Through His Word, and the Spirit of God takes His Word and speaks to our hearts. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about serving one another. And this morning, we are going to talk about the importance of assembling together as believers. Now, let me share with you, and I will share more at the very end of the message. Uh, I thought long and hard about not preaching on this subject. With everything that has been going on with the COVID and all that's being talked about right now, uh, I know that there is a high probability that some of you are going to be offended by some of the things I have to share this morning. And that's okay. That's okay. Let's just, you know, be offended in Christian love. Yeah. The reason I am not dodging this subject, I could have picked another essential of growth in Christ, believe me. And I thought of it, but this message has been planned for a long time. And I've never been a person that shies away from preaching what God's Word has to say. And so... Agree or disagree at the end with some of the practical things I'm going to talk about, that's okay. I just ask that you would pray for me, pray for our other elders. This has been a tough, tough season to manage the church through. I would say to you this morning, of having been in the ministry over 45 years now, this has been the second most trying period of being in the ministry, of trying to manage through these days. And it's not over yet. It's not over yet. I, as most of you know, my plans are to retire in a little over four years. Well, last year I spoke to our staff and I said, you know what, I want to finish strong. And I just don't want to, you know, kind of float down the next uh, five years and coast. Little did I know (laughs) what was coming. So this morning we're going to talk about assembling together. So if you have a Bible, or you can use the Pew Bible in front of you, or your electronic devices, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading with verse 19. So if you just follow along there. Also, we have the the verse up on the screen. You can follow along there. Therefore, brothers, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, 
That is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In Hebrews chapter 10, we see a turning point in this book. The writer of the book of Hebrews turns from his explanation of the superiority of the person and work of Christ to the application of it in the lives of this storm-tossed church. We're going to move from doctrine to duty. We are going to move from creed, that which we believe, to conduct. From the precept, the commands of God, to the practice. From instruction to exhortation. And the writer becomes very explicit on how we as Christians ought to live. All throughout Hebrews, the writer keeps arguing, Christ is better, Christ is better, Christ is better. Why would you want to turn back and turn to something else? What will you give up in exchange for Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life? So as we break these verses down, I want to start with our confidence, our confidence. And in our confidence, we're going to see we are confident that we have access. We have access to God. Look at verse 19. Therefore, brothers. All right, I've always told you as we're teaching the word of God, whenever you come across the word therefore, you need to pause and see what it is there for. And in this case, he's connecting us to the greatness of Christ. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have confidence to go into the holy places. Now, this book is written to those who are believers but they are Jewish believers. And for a Jew, the thought of ever being able to go into the holy place or the holy of holies was thing that was something that was unthinkable for the regular Christian. See, in the holy place, only the priests were allowed to go. In the holy of holies, only the high priest was allowed to go, and even with that is on the Day of Atonement when he presented a sacrifice for the nation. So now the writer of Hebrews is telling us that way has been made open 
to those who believe in Jesus. If you go back and read the gospel stories of the death of Christ, you will find that when Christ died upon the cross, one of the things that happened is there was a giant curtain that separated the holy place and the holy of holies, and that curtain was torn in two, signifying we have access to God now through Christ. And so now we have access to come to Jesus. And notice verse 20 says, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Jesus gave up his flesh. He gave up his body. He was crucified for us so that that way can be opened up. We have access, if we know Jesus Christ, into the holy of holies, into the very presence of God. We don't have to go through a priest. We can go directly through Christ. Secondly, we have a great high priest. Look at that in verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Remember, Jesus came from heaven. He was with his Father. He did always that which his Father wanted him to do. So through him, we have a great high priest. And he goes on to say, we have been cleansed. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Through Jesus Christ and through his blood, we have been cleansed. Many of you will know the old hymn, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Jesus shed his blood so that we can be cleansed. We can be cleansed from an evil conscience. You got something heavy on your conscience? You got something that keeps you awake at night? Something maybe that you've done, maybe the way that you're living and your conscience is telling you it's sinful, it's sinful, it's sinful. That can all go away through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus can cleanse every sin and he can cleanse us as well in our bodies. That's what Jesus' death upon the cross does for us. We have been cleansed. And then we see in verse 23, we have a God who keeps his promise. Verse 23 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let that sink in. He who promised is faithful. Jesus said that whoever believed in him would have everlasting life. Can God be trusted with that? Has God ever broken his promises? No. He can be trusted. He's, 
There is no one who can be trusted the way that he can be trusted. He can be trusted to carry through. He can be trusted when he says he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. He can be trusted when he says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He can be trusted. He can be trusted when he says that those of us who are believers, he holds within his hand and no one can take them out of his hand. And not only are we in his hand, we are in the Father's hand and no one is greater than the Father and no one can take them out of his hand. We are saved by putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And if you've trusted in Christ, if you've committed to Christ, these are the things we can have confidence in. We have access to the Father. We have a great high priest. We have been cleansed, and we have a God who keeps his promise. That should be worth at least one amen. Amen. <laughs> Now, let's talk about our responsibility. Our responsibility in verses 24 and 25. Notice what he says. And let us consider, let us think about, let's think about this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how we stir up one another. Uh, It's an interesting word that's used here for stirring up. It's a word that most of the time is not used in a positive sense. It's used in a negative sense. It's used in in the, the sense negatively that you get underneath somebody's skin. You know, that it's It's something that typically will upset someone. That's how it's used, in a negative fashion. And most of the time, that's how it's used. You know, it's sort of like, uh, there are times, and I shouldn't do this, but I will just confess, there are times that I get underneath my wife's skin. (laughs) I I, I know that surprises (laughs) you. Uh, Barb, would you plug your ears just for a second? (laughs) Sometimes I do it just to have a little fun. (laughs) Let me tell you, she may not remember anything else in this message, but she'll remember that statement I just made. (laughs) But, you know... uh, So it's used in a negative way of stirring somebody up, of agitating them. And and my goal isn't really to agitate her most of the time. (laughs) Okay, so the writer of Hebrews uses this in a very positive fashion here. It is to stir up for the purpose of good works. It's to stir up for love. It's to agitate. We're told to actually agitate, not in a bad way, but in a good way to stir the person 
And that's what I always do with Barb, just to get her going the right way. Uh, so, <laughs> Father, forgive me for not being totally honest. <laughs> okay. So the word means to incite someone. We are told that we are to incite one another for the purpose that we would love one another. Stir up one another to love. Love is the mark that is to separate us as Christians. By this, Jesus said, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we are to stir up one another that we might love one another. It's the Greek word agape. It's the word that means that we love unconditionally. Whether the person deserves the love or not, we are to show them that. See, God loved us when we were yet sinners, when we were his enemies. He loved us, and we are to agitate one another that we might love one another. Someone has written, faith and hope can be practiced by a solitary in a hermit's cell or on a desert island. But the exercise of love is possible only in a community with contact with others. So we are to stir one another up to love one another. We're to stir one another up to do good works. That we are encouraging one another to do that which is right and to be faithful in our worship and our service to the Lord. And then he goes on, to encourage us in verse 25 that we are to meet together. He says, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are to meet with one another. Now, someone gave me some advice for this message, and they said, uh, Butch, as you preach, and you, you preach of that, says, you should just look directly into the camera, and don't take your eyes off the camera, because obviously they're the people that need to hear this message. Uh, that's not entirely true. We all need to hear this message. There's some alarming things that are going on in the health of churches throughout our country. One of the things that those who do surveys are finding is that Christians who say they attend church every single Sunday, actually when they look at their habits, are only attending one and a half to two Sundays a month. But they think that they're attending all throughout the year. So this is a message that is for all of us. And see, notice that the writer of this book says, not neglecting to meet together, 
as is the habit of some. So I'd just like to ask the question this morning for us to consider, what is our habit? To honestly take a look and say, what is our habit? What do we normally do? What do we regularly do? For those who are believers in Christ, are we regularly coming in to worship with God's people? And there's some alarming things that are going on that are keeping people from coming regularly. Uh, Here's where I'm going to go meddling a little bit and pause preaching for a second. There are many Christians who are making sports their God. To where if they have children that are participating in sports, every weekend they are tied up with sports rather than being in God's house. I would just ask you to consider that. What message are we sending to our families if we check out of church for the season? Now, please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with playing sports. But if we're putting sports before God, we have a problem. What Are we sending the message if we decide, ah, we'll just stay home this morning. It's so much comfortable to watch the the service online when we got in late last night. I don't want to wake the kids up and have them cranky all day. Let's just stay home. What message are we sending? This is my only day off. When do you expect me to cut the grass? When do you expect me to be able to go out and play golf? When do you expect me, you fell in the blank? What is our habit? See, for these professing Hebrew Christians, they were, what they were guilty of was not valuing being with God's people. They were failing to assemble with other Christians. Therefore, they were growing cold and indifferent. Let me say, if you don't have contact with God's people, if you're not worshiping with God's people, you will find yourself growing cold and indifferent, and it's necessary to make a course correction. Discouragement. We have many people discouraged especially over the things that have happened over the last year plus. They're discouraged. And part of the reason they're discouraged is they're staying away from the community of God's people. Some people only go to church if they feel they need it. Someone has said we should gather to receive something from God. We gather to give something to God. We gather to encourage each other by our shared faith and values. We gather to bless one another. We gather to work together. That's why we come together. Now the word that's used for assembling here, most commentators look at it and say it appears that its primary reason 
is gathering God's people together in the worship service. But it's not exclusively that. I mean, it could be because churches are of all different sizes. It's referring that you're being together with people to worship God. So we are to meet together and then we are to encourage one another. I've always thought that if every single person attending church would make it a point that before they leave on Sunday that they would encourage at least one other person, maybe it's praying with someone. Maybe it's encouraging the person and saying, we see what you're doing. I want to encourage you to keep on doing it. If every person would encourage at least one person, it could totally revolutionize our whole meeting together. And it's not somebody else's responsibility. It's a responsibility for it all. At this point, I want to pause and just have a little family talk. Just want to pull up the chair and address a few things for us today. We've come through a very difficult time. And I think heading into the future, there are going to be more difficult times that we like. And I want to plead with us as a body of believers that we not let what may come in the future separate us as believers from one another. We can have different opinions. You know, I, I, I realize some people are, feel very militant about things and feel, hey, we've got to keep six feet away from everyone. We need to wear the mask. We need to get the vaccine. And they want everyone to do that. On the other side, I know that we have people who don't accept any of that. They don't believe in what's being called the science. Because they say there's way too many people giving different opinions. And they say that this whole thing is just politically motivated. Well, can we just agree that regardless of whatever position we take, we're going to love one another? We're going to love the militants on both sides? I mean, something that's very sad for me as a pastor is people that we have ministered to, in some cases for 20 plus years, who left our ministry. Some because they thought we were way too strict. Some who thought we were not strict enough. And I sometimes think, after 20 years of ministry, because you disagree on one decision, you're leaving the church That ought not to be. So I plead with you to have grace with one another. I think we need to recognize 
that safety is not the primary motivation for which we should stay away from church. The early church faced persecution, still they met. The Chinese church planters that I haven't been able to go and train the last couple years from the underground church, they face issues every day in their lives. And they would say if safety was our primary concern, we would never meet. We would never meet. However, please notice what I said. It shouldn't be the primary. Our physical health should not be the primary. The fear of getting sick should not be the primary. But it should be a factor. There are some people who should not be coming because of the physical conditions that they are in and they are compromised. And we should recognize that as a church together. I would just ask us as a church that we all be consistent in what we're going to do now and in the future. A pastor friend of mine in the area met with a family from his church. They invited him over for dinner. Now they haven't been to a service in well over a year. And as they were talking during the night, the couple shared all the different things that they were doing. So the pastor said, can, can I ask you a question? They said, yeah. said, as we've been talking here, you've been going to concerts indoors. You've been going to your, your children are back at school. You are back at work. You, they went on with a number of things, he said. But can I ask you why we haven't seen you in church? And they said, we just don't feel we can come. We just don't feel. So feelings. And and the, the pastor said, is there anything else besides not coming to church that you're not doing? Because he talked about going out to eat. And he said, now we can't think of anything that we're not doing. Let's be consistent and not just eliminate our attendance to church. Now, I had lots more to say, some that I've debated whether it should be said or not yet. So the Lord's delivering me because I've already gone five minutes over in the past. Once again, I want to come back. We are to encourage one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching, which is the return of Christ. So can we just say, whether people agree with us or disagree with us, number one, there were hard decisions that we had to make as a church, and no one individual made them, and we did what we thought was best at the time for our church. And can we agree that as a church, we are not to be trying to solve the problems of our nation politically. We are to be calling people to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. And I know that we have people that have strong political beliefs. I have strong beliefs myself. But we are of the kingdom of God, first and foremost. 
And if you find yourself not loving someone because you disagree with them, you're disobeying what this passage has to say because we are to encourage and build one another up. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that anyone here who doesn't know Jesus would put their faith and trust in him. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in gathering together to honor and to serve you. And Father, I pray that even this day before we leave, we'll encourage somebody because that's part of the reason for us to meet together. Help us to be faithful to you and to you alone, Lord, in guiding our lives. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.